Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast for Monday, May 8th, 2023. I'm Lou DeVizio. This week on the podcast, we dive into a difficult topic, abortion. Right now, New Mexico is waiting for the state Supreme Court to decide whether it will rule on local anti-abortion ordinances. That's as activists have their eyes set on getting the issue back in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. In this episode, you'll hear from our line opinion panel, but also from the mayor of a city that's enacted one of those ordinances, and a civil rights lawyer who spent decades protecting reproductive rights. That's all coming up in about five minutes, but for now, let's get into the headlines here in New Mexico. Two former New Mexico State basketball players are speaking up about alleged sexual assaults and intimidation that they say they suffered at the school. Shakiru Odenewu and Deuce Benjamin spoke to ESPN in a story linked in the description of this podcast. The former players spoke to the publication last week, the first time either has discussed the incidents since filing a lawsuit against the university, two ex-coaches, and three former players. The lawsuit details several alleged incidents, accusing those three teammates of pulling down the pants of fellow players and assistant coaches and touching them inappropriately. Odenewu says he reported the abuse to then-head coach Greg Heyer, who told Odenewu that he would follow up and issue suspensions. According to the lawsuit, that never happened. Benjamin reported the alleged abuse to campus police in February. Shortly after that, the school canceled the rest of the team's season and fired Heyer. Police are investigating. No criminal charges have been filed. A new federal investment is coming to Alamogordo, meant to address PFAS contamination in the surrounding area. U.S. Interior Secretary Deb Holland stopped in Las Cruces last week to announce $12.6 million in funding for a new desalination research facility in central southern New Mexico. The U.S. Bureau of Reclamation owns and operates a desalination facility in the area right now, but PFAS contamination was discovered in an evaporation pond in 2017 and two wells in 2019. The wells have since been closed. This new money will go towards reconstruction of a new facility and will allow the two contaminated wells to reopen. According to reporting by Leah Romero at the Las Cruces Sun News, the facility will be used by government agencies, universities, and private sector companies for desalination research studies, pilot scale projects, and small demonstration projects. The New Mexico Foundation for Open Government is calling on a new advisory council within the state's Children, Youth, and Families Department to open its meetings to the public. The council isn't required to abide by the State Open Meetings Act, but Fogg says it could choose to do so. I was at the council's first and only scheduled public meeting last week when acting CYFD Secretary Teresa Casados introduced its six members. They include a private counseling provider, an academic success coach, a former CYFD secretary, a child advocate, an education official, and a foster care support provider. During Thursday's meeting, each council member explained how their background would inform their priorities while on the council and for CYFD as a whole. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham created the council through an executive order meant to restructure the department that she's called dysfunctional. But when asked about how this council will be different from past advisory bodies, former CYFD secretary and retired New Mexico Supreme Court Justice Barbara Vigil pointed to the approach of the group, saying the council will meet frequently with providers and a team of cabinet secretaries in the Lujan Grisham administration. Despite that, the council doesn't have a timeline in place for any action, and their only department-issued priorities are retaining employees and foster families. That's not sitting well with at least one state lawmaker. Following Thursday's meeting, Republican State Representative Stephanie Lord posted on social media calling for more urgency, saying, quote, 
No solutions to stop our vulnerable children from being neglected, raped, abused, tortured, and killed at this CYFD meeting. They will think about ideas to recruit and retain workers and foster care parents and meet again in a month. End quote. In our first segment of the podcast this week, Gene and the Line Opinion Panel turn their attention to eastern New Mexico as one town passes an anti-abortion ordinance and another files suit against the state. Joining Gene on the Line Opinion Panel this week are Elise Kaplan, investigative reporter at the Albuquerque Journal, former Republican state senator Diane Snyder, and political psychologist and author Martha Burke. Here's Gene. Following eight hours of public comment and debate, Councilors in the town of Edgewood voted 4-1 to one last week to restrict access to abortion. Edgewood is now the sixth municipality to pass an anti-abortion ordinance, joining Eunice, Hobbs, Clovis, and Lee and Roosevelt counties. Elise, you were there during the council vote. Take us inside the meeting with Edgewood being the first city to pass an anti-abortion ordinance since the passing of House Bill 7. Long meeting. You were there for every minute of it, eight hours plus into the wee, wee hours. Let's start generally. What was the general sense of it at the start of it? It wasn't a slam dunk. How many folks were for? How many were opposed? What, what happened there? Yeah, so it's super interesting. Like, I pulled up right at 5 o'clock when I was starting, and there was, you know, there's a line out the door. There was people, like you know, it was just packed. They had an <laughs> overflow room. I, like, talked to some of the security guards and officers, and they were like, this is the craziest meeting we've ever seen, obviously. Everyone was like, this is the biggest meeting sure. everyone has ever had. Um, and kind of, you know, the reactions from the crowd definitely got the sense of that they were all very much in support of the ordinance, which um, follows the Comstock Act and would restrict access to abortion in Edgewood. Um, just, you know, but the way they would clap, the way they would laugh, they, they see, the mood of the room did seem like it was in support of the ordinance itself. Mm -hmm. um, and then among the commissioners, um, it seemed everybody was taking it very seriously. There was a lot of debate and a lot of a lot of consideration about it, really. And I think the ones that did kind of oppose it were kind of worried about the financial cost of it more than anything. Yeah, interesting you mentioned that. Commissioner Brent, uh, Brennan mentioned that, uh, quoted, he mentioned it's going to be expensive. Do you think the other commissioners were in the same line with that? Were that was that the general sense of things? Certainly half of them, yes. Okay. Um, I think that was a big concern for the mayor as well. Okay. Um, Commissioner Powers also, um, he was very much kind of talking about that, like, do we really want to start this fight? Do we want to enter into this fray? Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that was very much on the top of everybody's minds. And right. then also the ideological part of it, too. Like, people, they very much strongly believed in this ordinance mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. identify as pro-life and didn't want to, and wanted to show their support for that, um, that right. movement. Oh, and as you, I bought some mouth on this, as uh, Elise reported, folks were there from Clovis, all over the state, but also from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a couple of Texans in particular who are driving the agenda. Uh, uh, whether the folks want to admit it or not across the state. How should we consider what you're seeing forming here, Martha? Is something forming that more red counties are going to start going this way and we're going to be a patchwork quilt of red and blue on this issue here suddenly? How do you see the Texas influence playing out here? Well, the Texas influence is considerable, as Elise's reporting mm -hmm. uh, showed us. It, you said in your piece, and thank you, by the way, it was excellent mm -hmm. reporting, that of the people in Edgewood that spoke for or against, they were about evenly split. Right. But the ones that came in from outside, uh, not necessarily from Texas, but drummed up by the agitator from Texas mm -hmm. to get them there, most of them were in favor of the restrictions. Mm -hmm. So uh, outsiders do make a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the cost, I'd like to address that Please. a bit because that is the kind of thing uh, 
that will give a, an office holder an excuse to vote against something uh. when they are afraid to come out and say, I think it's a lousy idea. Right. It's cost And is, so, right. <laughs> uh, the, you know, it gives them an automatic out. That's a good point, because the cost is coming. It's yeah. costing. Uh, Diane, most people think of New Mexico as this increasingly blue state. We all know there are deep pockets of red I just mentioned uh, in our state, certainly. You know, should we expect to see more of these? Uh, have, are you hearing anything that more of this is coming? Yes. Okay. I, I think uh, one of the things that I th think that, and I picked up on this particularly with our Attorney General, the first thing he filed was saying that you can't do it, there, that we have Senate Bill 7, which is the law, and you can't do it, mm -hmm. therefore it's not. The problem is, and he went back on his second filing and kind of smudged this over, is the bill is not implemented in the state of New Mexico yet. Uh, they did not put an emergency clause on it. Right. They didn't put a specific date, and they left it under to follow under their constitutional rules that X amount of days after it's signed. And so that means June 6th, 16th. Mm -hmm. So some attorneys, certainly the conservative ones, are saying it's not the law until June 16th. Well, technically, that's true. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, if we started changing that for every law we've done, we might as well not put any dates or have a constitutional decision on where they should be. Mm -hmm. However, uh, it's kind of like, well, we know it's the law, or going to be the law, right. but it's not the law at the moment. Right. So until June 16th, mm -hmm. I think we may see, I mean, this is just the first week of May, I think we may see a couple more communities. Uh, we haven't heard from the Northwest corner That's right. so much, That's and right. I, I can't imagine them not getting That's it. an interesting point. Would that be the logical next place in, in your mind? In my mind, Would have yes. Would they have the yes. best chance at the county level and the city and level? And the city, okay. uh, Aztec, Farmington, and yeah. of course San Juan County. Um, but mm -hmm. it, um, so I think yes, to answer your question, yes, yeah. I do anticipate seeing a few more that will wrap themselves in the fact that it's Right. Not a law it, until it's implemented mm -hmm. date. Mm -hmm. So we'll you know, see. You know, Elise, uh, one of the questions that's out there, uh, and I've not heard a good answer from any of the mayors so far that have gone to this flip, is what this does impacting other health issues for women and health care in those areas. It, you know, any ancillary effects, those kind of things. Did that come up in Edgewood uh, that night? Was Are they that far down the road in the conversation saying if we do this, and of course there's no abortion clinics in Edgewood, we should right. reiterate. Uh, but there's other issues at, at, at stake when it comes to women's health. Any conversation about that? There was some conversation uh -huh. about that. The way the ordinance is written in Edgewood, there are some, there are a number of exceptions. Mm -hmm. um, and also, um, the one in Edgewood is a civil action ordinance, kind mm -hmm. of like what they had in Texas mm -hmm. with uh, Senate Bill 8. So it allows anyone who believes anyone has had an abortion, has or has ha access pills or equipment um, to have an abortion in the, in the town um, to sue that person. But there's a number of exceptions and they right. lay out, you know, like huh. serious medical complications and things like that. So as they well. they have carved out some things. They have, okay. I, yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting, yeah. Martha. I'm interested in your ta your take on this. Uh, how this affects other women's health issues? Uh, I think mm -hmm. it it's going to uh, be an argument, as Diane says, mm -hmm. at least until the the ordinance takes effect. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's a much larger issue here, Gene, that I think is going to torpedo the whole thing. And that is the New Mexico 
Equal Rights Amendment. Oh, uh, and uh, Attorney General Torres goes into that extensively in his document. It is lawyerly, it is long, but basically it says mm -hmm. there is precedent from 1995, Nehru B. Johnson, okay. that these kind of laws are presumptively unconstitutional mm. uh, when it comes to abortion uh, because it is discrimination against women uh, that is outlawed by our Equal Rights Amendment, which has been in the New Mexico Constitution a long time. And so there's this presumption of unconstitutionality, uh, that, and, and that is written. Wow. that this, uh, this stuff cannot pass muster. And yeah. I think people are leaving that out. They're not thinking about it. I was grateful for the Attorney General to bring that up and show uh, that this, this ain't gonna fly. Is, is he strong enough on this yet? Oh, sorry, it's under my fault yeah. there. Is he strong on this? I've not heard him really kind of come out and say, guys. You have to read okay. what he wrote. Okay. Uh, I have not heard him mention it. Okay. Uh, I'm not keeping up with sure. all the rhetoric, so he may have. Hmm. But in this, br I don't know if, I'm not a lawyer. I yeah. don't know if you call it a brief or whatever sure. you call it. Mm -hmm. But it is clearly stated there, uh, and it's unequivocal. Interesting, I, please. I, to, to me, the, the big picture thing is, even if it fails in New Mexico, there are many other states where it is not failing. Mm -hmm. We don't have an attorney general doing it. And I believe, and nobody has told me this, I believe the whole focus of all of this is to get it to the Supreme Court. Sure. And uh, in New Mexico, it's showing that even in this state that is so blue, so red, mm -hmm. so blue, that there are pockets mm -hmm. and there are just like there are pockets of of blue people in red states, mm -hmm. but that I believe the ultimate goal, and, and as I said, I've not talked with Mr. Davison, Dixon, whatever his name mm -hmm. is from mm -hmm. Texas, mm -hmm. but that's what I see as a big sure. picture kind sure. of thing. Yeah. And I read a couple articles where uh, some independent, non-biased, well, not non-biased, but non-partisan writers talking about the fact is how are the people who are pro-choice going to solve this problem nationwide mm. without go it getting to the Supreme Court? Let me, let, me, let me kind of jump in on that and, and kind of okay. swing it back locally because we've got Eunice, New Mexico, I mentioned in our list of municipalities here. Well, they're taking the fight right to the governor. I mean, they're suing the governor yeah. and Attorney General uh, Torres, the mayor of Eunice, made the announcement outside the U.S. Supreme Court building. You remember yes. that in D.C.? Uh, Eunice wants this case to get national attention. I mean, mm -hmm. Eunice is the tip of the spear mm -hmm. here in New Mexico. And at least, uh, are we going to be the face of the issue because of Eunice necessarily? They've, they've already been in Washington. They're announcing. I think it's possible. I think yeah. that lots of states are going through this as well. Right. Um, so I think it's kind of a coalition of, of different red pockets and blue states that are also doing this. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's very possible that mm -hmm. the Eunice or another New Mexico municipality could be could be the face of this, right. for sure. You know, last word on this uh, Supreme Court idea. If you're thinking it's just not going to get that far, some state's going to get it there. How, how, do, how, how do you see it at that point? Well, unfortunately, we do not have a federal equal rights amendment. Right. So that is going to factor in. The Senate voted last week to bring it up, bring up the amendment again to see about ratification. Oh, interesting. The Republicans voted it down. Okay. They do not want 
a federal equal rights amendment, which we badly need. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it could get to the Supreme Court. I think they're pretty anguished already about the overturning of Roe. Right. And so I, right. I gotta say one more thing, Please. Gene, about, mm -hmm. and this came up in the uh, Edgewood and it keeps coming up. Uh, and I encourage our uh, watchers and mm -hmm. listeners mm -hmm. to go to the Albuquerque Journal and read Elise's work. And woven into that are a couple of videos. Mm -hmm. And they are uh, from uh, both sides of the aisle, mm -hmm. so to speak. But the one is two men, and they are calling on Christian principles, uh, Jesus and so forth, and this is not God's will. They need to learn something. We do not live in a theocracy. We live in a democracy. And the church does not rule what the law says. Mm -hmm. If it did, here's what might be coming down the pike. There are churches that do not believe in blood transfusions. There are quite a number of churches that do not believe in medical care for children. It's interference in parental mm -hmm. rights, mm -hmm. this sort of thing. We don't live in a theocracy. Let's try to remember that. Good last point there. The city of Hobbs is one of six municipalities around New Mexico to adopt an ordinance limiting access to abortion. We wanted to understand how the measure came to be and why, and where city leaders think it may be headed. So, in our next segment, Gene caught up with Mayor Sam Cobb to ask. Hobbs Mayor Sam Cobb, thank you for joining us on New Mexico in Focus. We're curious about some things that are going on there, of course. Hobbs City Commission voted on November 7th uh, last year to adopt an ordinance amending Title V of the Hobbs Municipal Code requiring abortion providers in Hobbs to comply with federal law. And that was citing, of course, the Federal Comstock Act. Why did you feel this was the, a necessary step for your community? I think it was, uh, our response was based on uh, what we had received from our citizens. They had come to us with some concerns as the Roe versus Wade decision came down. And then there was a lot of discussion about abortion providers in Texas moving to uh, communities in New Mexico and also communities on the eastern side naturally from a logistics standpoint stood uh, probably a greater possibility of having an abortion uh, provider come to the community. So uh, they had some concerns about that. And of course, really the only thing the city has the authority to do as with any business registration, regardless of what, what the business is, is uh, compliance with certain rules and regulations, i.e. general contractors, electrical contractors, those kinds of things. And when they do their business registration, they have to provide the fact that they are, have the appropriate license to do those types of things. And so with that uh, request from the citizens, uh, we engaged our legal department and they did some research into the Comstock law and found that it uh, is federal legislation that has not ever been repealed by the federal government that uh, provides uh, it under a business operation or business registration license, certain compliance to certain federal uh, statutes as it relates to the use of the medical devices and the drugs um, that can be used for that purpose. And so it relates to inter interstate commerce. And so with that in mind, we had a number of public meetings. We had several hundred of our citizens come to those public meetings and testify in favor of the ordinance. 
we had approximately less than 10 individuals that came to the commission and testified against the ordinance. So, you know, really those of us in elected positions, uh, contrary to popular belief sometimes, we're supposed to reflect the wishes of our constituents. And so that's what we did. And so when we passed the ordinance, it does not keep a portion provider from uh, gaining a business registration license in the city of Hobbs. It does require that they uh, uh, adhere to the regulations in the Comstock uh, or in the Comstock law. That being said, if an abortion provider was getting their medications from a New Mexico-based provider or any devices used in, the, uh, in their business activities, they would be in compliance with our ordinance. It's only if they derive any devices or any medications from outside the state. So I think that's an important note that it's, it's, we are not declaring our community as a safe haven or anything like that. We are merely trying to adhere to the wishes of our community as it relates to their business operations. Mm -hmm. Are those penalties inclusive of uh, criminal penalties as well if they do violate those um, standards that have been laid out? Uh, you know, as, as it's certain, it, it, what I understand, it would, they would lose their business registration. I'm not aware in the ordinance itself that it provides for criminal penalties. Mm -hmm. Lee County, of which, of course, Hobbs sits, has a similar ordinance on the books. It was actually uh, kind of uh, put together about the same time. Did you consult with Lee County? And it, was there a, a, a sense of, again, you're working with the same constituents and with the same desire uh, in the county as you would in the city of Hobbs. Was there, was there a way you guys worked together on this? No, there was no, I did not meet with any of the leadership of the county. Mm -hmm. uh, we, our ordinance was purely based on what we had received from our constituents at the public meetings that we had. Uh, I know that there were another community, Clovis, uh, was much in the same situation about the same time. Uh, I've had some conversations with the mayor of Clovis uh, and informed him of what we were going to do, and we, we sent him a draft of our ordinance. But uh, any of the other communities, I personally, nor um, I'm aware of any of my commissioners that had any direct communication with any of the other commissioners or elected officials on those other communities. Mm -hmm. It's kind of broadened out just a little bit here and um, talk about values in, you know, obviously you talk to a lot of folks in the area and Hobbs and the surrounding area. Is there a sense that their values are just not being reflected in Santa Fe, you know, abortion aside for a second? <laughs> is, is that part of the problem here? It's just that values are not being reflected in certain parts of New Mexico out of Santa Fe, sir? Without a doubt, New Mexico is a very diverse state, uh, both in demographics and geography. Mm -hmm. And certainly the southeastern corner of the state has always been a very conservative part of the state. Uh, and one not being better than the other, there are differences of opinion as you go across the state and in different areas of the state. So uh, I, think, I think our uh, actions reflected the wishes of our constituents. And, it's not to say one's right and one's wrong, but uh, we're here to represent the people in our community that have elected us to be in these positions. You know how in the bigger cities we like to poll on everything. I'm curious if, if you polled in Hobbs on this, either privately or, or the uh, municipality itself. We did not. I mean, we had literally standing room only. We people had literally, we had hundreds of people that came to our commission meeting. That's a pretty good poll within itself. And so, 
Um, that is how we based our decision making was on that. And of course, if you look at the polls across the state, uh, it's pretty evenly divided. Uh, the abortion issue, both on the national level and on a statewide level, it's a very, very difficult. It's a very, very difficult situation in our country, and, and uh, hopefully, we can come up to an amicable solution. But it's uh, it's it's been very polarizing. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. Pastor Mark Lee uh, Gibson, uh, Mark Lee Dixon, uh, pardon me, has been helping lots of municipalities around the country get these ordinances squared away. Was he a help for you folks on this one? No, our legal team drafted the ordinance. He reviewed it and said he felt like it was a very well-written document. But as far as him providing us, you know, any language uh, regarding that, we we relied on our legal team here. We have a very competent legal staff. They researched it themselves. They looked at uh, they looked at case law. They looked at a lot of different things. And so the ordinance that was drafted was drafted internally. It was not mm -hmm. provided by an outside source. Uh, and that includes their attorney, Jonathan Mitchell. Was he of a help on this at all? Only to this, only from a moral support, not anything uh, uh, regarding the drafting of the ordinance. You see what I'm leading up to is a lot of the criticism is, feels like it's being driven by out-of-state people. Would you agree with that? Or am I hearing you correctly at the beginning that this is strictly a driven from the dirt of Hobbes, so to speak, like right there without well, the outside help? You know, during our public meetings, we do not limit it only to Hobbs residents. We had we had some residents from Texas, I would say maybe four or five, uh, a couple from Lubbock, a couple from Odessa, uh, but that was not the majority of the people that were involved in testifying to the commission regarding their desires for this particular ordinance. So it was not really driven by out-of-state folks. Gotcha. Um, where does it go from here? Do you have any predictions yourself personally? Uh, there's a lot of other parts of the state that are fairly conservative, certainly. Uh, are you getting indications that this movement might be possibly moving a little bit more across New Mexico? Well, as you're well aware, you know, Edgewood has just recently passed the ordinance, which is mm -hmm. a few miles outside of Albuquerque. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I've made it very clear to uh, the people in our community uh, if the outcome of the uh, state statute and whatever litigation that it may create and whatever prevails that the city of Hobbs will comply with state law. We do not have the ability to preempt state law. Mm -hmm. So if in fact it comes to bear through the Supreme Court, either the state or the federal Supreme Court about uh, who has the right to uh, govern ordinance abortion and how it is done, within a state, then we will certainly comply with state law. Mm -hmm. Are you personally hoping to get a case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court at the end of the day? I really don't. I mean, we this was not done as a shot across the bow to try to create a political division. It was merely done as a response to our local community and their desire to have something on the books regard, regarding the operation of an abortion clinic within our community. Mm -hmm. Kind of an odd, maybe an oddball question. You know, a lot of folks like to consider themselves federalists uh, in the purest sense of the term out there. And I'm just curious about your position on states' rights, the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution. Is this is this part of the, that argument in your mind? You know, I really don't. I really don't think that uh, we, as a community and as a commission, are embroiled in that. I think ours was purely based on the wishes of our constituency 
to have something on the books regarding the operation of a clinic. It, there's, there was not, we did not get into uh, a lot of these other issues that I think will be part of the overall abortion discussion across our nation. Mm -hmm. Hobbs Mayor Sam Cobb, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's a, a tricky situation for us to follow up here in Albuquerque. We're very, very pleased that you could spend some time with us today to clear it up as well. Thank you. We appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Mayor, thank you. Really appreciate it. Now that we've heard from a leader in a municipality that's adopted an anti-abortion ordinance, let's hear from the line opinion panel again, this time with a wider perspective. In our next segment of the podcast, Gene asks our panelists how this could shake out on the state and national levels. Like other municipalities taking action like this, Hobbs cited the Federal Comstock Act. Now, we've talked about that set of laws from the 1870s here on the show, and you'll hear more about it in Gwyneth's interview with a civil rights attorney in about 10 minutes. Now, the folks pushing these bans say it essentially prohibits the mailing of abortion pills, and these localities are using it as the bedrock of their ordinances. Now, abortion rights supporters say leaning on that Comstock Act is part of the strategy aimed at a national ban. But the mayor of Hobbs said the city leaders are just responding to what their constituents want. And Diane, if this is what the people in Hobbs and elsewhere want, does it matter where leadership dug up the foundation behind it? Meaning, you know, why are we picking certain localities here? Is, is it really the people driving this? I think that... Uh... <laughs> Certainly, they are being encouraged to action mm -hmm. by specific individuals. Okay. Perhaps, I think we've mentioned earlier, the yep. gentleman from Texas and from others from out of state mm -hmm. doing the pushing. Mm -hmm. But knowing quite a few of the people mm -hmm. from that area, I believe that they very much believe in this. It's just like any issue. Right. Sometimes you have to have the, the little help to get the issue sure. going. Sure. So yes, I think they do support this. I think they do believe this. Yeah. And it's very, that's the thing that is, to me, so fascinating and also so constricting in many ways mm -hmm. is these people on both sides believe mm -hmm. with all their hearts that, the, that they're on the right side. And sometimes they do bring God into that's it, right. but, right. but it's it's very difficult to say, well, somebody's just leading them to the water. Well, you can't make them drink. That's right. And the commissioners did vote for it. Good point. And, and the people, but knowing the people from that area, I think very much they supported sure. it. Absolutely. Um, interesting, Martha, uh, a clause in the Hobbs Ordinance, sticking with Hobbs, labels abortion providers as racketeering enterprises. It's interesting. It encourages people to sue those providers under the federal civil RICO statute. <laughs> the thing that was originally you know, designed to go after the mob back east years ago, back in the 80s. Is that a, a viable uh, legal strategy in your mind? No, it's a stupid strategy. Yeah. I just have to say that. It's mm -hmm. ridiculous. I, if they found an attorney to even take that, I'd say that person ought to be disbarred right. <laughs> because <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Uh, but back to the Comstock Please. Act. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting ploy for people to say, well, this is what the people want mm -hmm. in our town or our county or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, people don't get to vote on your fundamental rights. They, they don't get a say in that. Now, the, the theocracy folks seem to think they do. Uh, but, but going back to the Comstock Act itself, yeah. the bedrock of that is a, a phrase that says obscene materials, mm -hmm. okay? Well, if we're gonna enforce that, 
Uh, we didn't have Viagra back then, but we did probably have some form of condom. But if we're gonna throw obscene materials at uh, birth control pills, let's uh, do it with condoms and uh, Viagra. It would seem to fit under the same... It's, it certainly would. It's if you want to right. call one thing obscene mm. uh, because it has to do with women, mm -hmm. uh, but the other because it does not, mm -hmm. uh, that seems to me to be sex discrimination on its face. That is, that's hard to argue, <laughs> actually. It's interesting. You know, at least the state Supreme Court is now considering the constitutionality of these ordinances, of course, as we know. After a petition from the AG, Raul Torres, was that a mistake? I got a question here. Did Mr. Torres make a mistake on possibly antagonizing the U.S. Supreme Court into a national abortion ban, meaning could, should he have, could he have maybe laid off just a little bit and not gotten engaged so quickly? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's a tough one. Yeah, I haven't mm -hmm. actually, I've, you know, throughout my reporting, I've reached out to his office a number of times okay. and gotten statements from his, um, mm -hmm. and answers to questions from his spokesperson, but I haven't talked to him about it specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I do think it's interesting that the um, petition only mentioned the four cities. It mm -hmm. didn't mention um, mm -hmm. kind of going forward, so that means Eunice and Edgewood were not actually included in that. Mm -hmm. um, as for moving to the federal Supreme Court, I don't know um, right. what's going to happen next. I think everybody's been kind of mm -hmm. trying to figure out what to do in these uncharted Waters well, we got legal fights starting at Eunice, Hobbs, Clovis, Lee, and Roosevelt counties. Uh, it's not quite David and Goliath, but it, these are notably smaller communities. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? With notably smaller budgets to fight these kind of things. You know, who's going to pay for these massive tabs of legal representation? Has this come up at, at all in any of these arguments? It did come up in Edgewood, and that's the only mm. meeting I actually attended. Um, and actually, Jonathan Mitchell, who is the attorney who works with um, Mark Lee Dixon in Texas, mm -hmm. he has actually offered his services pro bono. Oh, and no kidding. The, ah. um, the commissioners. That, that's what yep. I was wondering. Okay. <laughs> um, and the commissioners did vote to accept that um, help. Um, of course, he's not licensed in New Mexico, so he does have to work with a New Mexico gotcha. attorney, but they did, said that that would did also. Did he say mm -hmm. that? Because many Texas attorneys are licensed in vice versa. Yeah, yeah it right, did come exactly. up that he works with another attorney kind of based okay. out of Albuquerque, um, who I think also is doing it pro bono, though I'm not 100% I'm mm -hmm. not on that, that. But yeah. Yes, yeah. there is a local attorney also. Yeah. Yeah. And then also the city attorneys with Edgewood oh, as well. Oh, that's a good point, too. Or yeah. Yeah. Eunice, um, hmm. yeah, most I mean, of those folks have. You see, you see where I'm getting at, Martha? This could tie up a small community solely for a long time. Do you know what yes, I mean? And, and choke out other things you need to do. Yes, it could, mm -hmm. and, and I want to go back to who was in the audience because the majority mm -hmm. were from outside that were in favor of this, and right. the actual citizens that would have to pick up the tab were ev evenly divided. Mm -hmm. And something tells me that if they really start looking at what it's going to cost, and not mm -hmm. just in money, but uh, lack of services. Let's mm -hmm. say your sidewalk cracks or mm -hmm. your street is torn up and you can't get a pothole fixed because they don't have any money. They got to pay for this abortion fight. Right. Right. Uh, I think people are going to start to rethink that. Mm -hmm. And probably they are already rethinking why are outsiders coming into our community and trying to tell us what is best for us. Well, Lisa mm -hmm. snagged a, a, a quote, sorry, Senator, a, a quote from uh, Commissioner Falandro Anaya. Um, you know, they're basically using us as a pawn mm -hmm. as part of the quote. Mm -hmm. That's interesting, you oh, know, when yes. you think about that, it, yeah. It, but that's not unusual. Okay. In Texas, there are 
uh, pro-choice groups trying to do the same kind of thing. Right. The city of Austin is one we discussed sure. several what, weeks ago. What exactly are they doing? Trying to do it through municipalities. Do mm -hmm. it. Make change what? to the Texas law. Oh, so in gotcha. a, yes, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's just people. The one we're reversing the groups in their their standings mm -hmm. from New Mexico to Texas. Mm -hmm. It's not just the people in New Mexico mm -hmm. that are standing up and fighting for what they believe. And I don't know about who was in the audience, but I know lots of people from uh, Hobbs and Clovis and Edgewood and those. They are that conservative. And I see what ha will happen is they make their stand and then you end up before the Supreme Court, might be Indiana, right. might be Texas, right. might be whoever. And our cities and communities will end up filing amicus briefs. I see. They will not, yep. they will they not have to it. go, right. they will not be spending That's as right. much money. That's a fair In point. In the state, yeah. yes, but not outside. Let me a quick question, it's a little bit of time here. Sure. Martha, I want to start with you. According to a new report last month from the Society of Family Planning, it's been a dramatic drop in abortions nationwide uh, since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. 32,000 fewer between July and December of last year. Uh, first, are you buying those numbers? Second, do you see a similar drop because of these muni ordinances, are these going to contribute to the dropping of abortions in those places? I think they will in some cases, Gene. Okay. Think about what it costs to fall, come from Texas, right. even just right across the border. That's right. You, gasoline is 60 bucks a tank. You got to eat. In many cases, you have to spend the night. Mm -hmm. You have to get childcare if you've already got kids. Mm -hmm. There, there are lots of expenses when you have to travel. That's and right. if you have to travel really long distances, yeah. But what mm -hmm. people miss is that's what is contributing to the drop in abortions. It's not because people are changing their mind and right. the need for abortion is going away or the support for it is going away. Mm -hmm. What's happening is it's getting too expensive to get. Yeah. Finally on the podcast this week, we hear from a civil rights attorney on how the larger legal battle could develop. Laura Schauer-Ives has been fighting for access to reproductive health care in the state for decades, and her perspective on where things stand today is a mix of hope, concern, and caution. She sat down with correspondent Gwyneth Dolan to talk it through. Laura Schauer-Ives, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. We are very glad to have your insight uh, on some of this complicated legal wrangling happening right now around abortion. When the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the majority said this should be an issue decided by the states. But what does that actually mean? Like, what are the mechanisms, what are the legal pathways that states can decide about abortion? They can do that legislatively. They can do that via ballot measure. They can do that via constitutional amendment. Um, and then the issue can also be decided by the state Supreme Court. Though the United States <laughs> Supreme Court said that this would be an issue left to the states, that's not clear. Uh, yeah, and, and all roads lead to Rome, and Rome being the US Supreme Court. So they, exactly. it's, it's in the states, but it's eventually going to get back there do the pro-abortion rights groups or anti-abortion rights groups, uh, which of them wants to get to Rome fastest? 
Uh, absolutely, the anti-abortion rights groups, the anti-choice groups, uh, want to get there as soon as possible. And what we're seeing right now is a very concerted effort uh, in New Mexico by out-of-state extremists to kind of scattershot, throw out whatever they can, um, and, and this is happening nationally as well, to get this back to the Supreme Court, get it in the federal courts, uh, who they view as more sympathetic to their cause. Um, and so there are really a variety of, of paths there, actually. That could be through federal acts that, you know, a new Congress uh, could enact. It could be old laws that they're pointing to. Um, it could be a reimagining of our due process clause. There, there are a variety of things that can happen going forward. And so let's look at 1969. This was the year in New Mexico that New Mexico had the legislature passed a law. The governor signed uh, the law into law, banning abortion and making it a felony, right? And so catch us up to what's happened in the past two years. In the, in the past two years? Yes, yeah. in terms of the legal landscape for abortion in New Mexico. Oh, okay. Well, in anticipation of the U.S. Supreme Court potentially um, reversing Roe, which it ultimately did in Dobbs. Um, we have been working to ensure that that old law didn't remain on the books in the event um, that the U.S. Supreme Court did what it did. And to go farther than that, we've also passed affirmative legislation, HB 7, to protect the right to uh, abortion within the state. Um, Municipalities, different municipalities, still in the context of this national strategy, are passing ordinances, um, trying to get that to our Supreme Court, trying to get that through the federal courts. There's just going to be constant battles <laughs> sort of from here on out. And New Mexico's an interesting place for this because our laws are rel around reproductive care and gender-affirming care now uh, are very liberal, especially compared to some of our neighbors like Texas, which are some of the most conservative. But then you have these border communities, uh, Hobbs, uh, you know, these places right on the border with Texas that are conservative communities. And they are not uh, in charge in Santa Fe uh, anymore as they have been in pe previous decades. Um, and they feel, you know, a lot of people in those communities feel that uh, that, th that New Mexico's laws don't represent where they are on this. So why should they not be able to pass laws that apply in those counties uh, where conservatives are the majority of people who live there? Well, for a variety of reasons. One, healthcare should not be patchwork throughout the state. Um, that's chaotic. There's a reason to have sort of uni uniform regulations and laws that govern the provision of healthcare. In addition to that, you know, that's, that's sort of the, always the constitutional question. Um, can you determine somebody's freedom, somebody's choices by merely whether a group of people or not raises their hands? In abortion, that's a particularly difficult thing to do. Abortion should be absolutely no different than any other healthcare. There are all sorts of decisions that people make uh, that are consequential significant, they rely on their doctor's advice, 
um, their, their own family's counsel, their own religion, their own beliefs, um, and reproductive care should be absolutely no different than that. Um, and when you're talking about restrictions later in a pregnancy, that really just doesn't happen unless something catastrophic is happening. And we're, and we're seeing now in these states that you're describing as more conservative, where you know what uh, advocates have been saying for a good while, which is like women are going to be in, in peril as a result of this. Like pregnancies can actually put us at risk, uh, of, put our lives at risk, and that's happening. And, and so that should be a woman and her doctor making that decision. So what we're seeing now is this strategy, and you mentioned a, a, a national strategy um, to pass ordinances at the local level, which we've seen in several places here in New Mexico. Um, and is it, it's a national strategy to do what? To provoke a court case? Ultimately, the aim is to get this question to the U.S. Supreme Court, who they view as sympathetic, and for a national ban on abortion. That is undoubtedly what, what the aim is. So New Mexico has a Democrat as attorney general who has been active on this issue. Um, in terms of the strategy for pro-abortion rights group, is this a good thing that the eternal attorney general is getting involved? For, for people who are pro-choice, it is, it is, it's, it's a very difficult landscape to navigate right now. And so I think having the New Mexico Supreme Court, if, if they ultimately do, say that there's a constitutional right to New Mexico, to, to abortion or reproductive health care in New Mexico, that is a good thing. Um, where it becomes difficult is it's not fail safe. So there are a number of paths um, and a number of pitfalls to watch out for, but you know, in, in the meantime, um, and dependent upon, like, hopefully the United States Supreme Court doesn't, doesn't ultimately do this. So hopefully, like, federalism re remains intact. Um, but so there's, there's reason to fear all of that. And what the United States Supreme Court's appetite will, will ultimately be for interfering with um, states' rights is, is yet to be known. Um, and also, you know, Surely the other, the other, the easiest path for them would be a national ban that then goes before the Supreme Court. And, and in the process, New Mexico might have a further clarification of its legal position on abortion if the state Supreme Court goes out and says there absolutely is a right to abortion or is not. Yeah, definitely, and, and having that clarity in the meantime um, is good and potentially I think just the the thing for everybody to understand is that just because you're in a blue state just because we have a Supreme Court in New Mexico right now that um, may or may not be open to these constitutional arguments that can change and so everything I mean in the same way that, that people have now experienced kind of the whiplash of enjoying a right to bodily autonomy um, since 1973 that suddenly has been taken away. That can happen at the local level and that, that can happen in many different ways. 
So people shouldn't get too focused on what's happening in one town in New Mexico at any one point because it's all part of a bigger picture. So don't take these victories or defeats, depending on your perspective, too seriously because they can change. And ultimately, um, you know, the future depends on a number of things, including elections. We're seeing the consequences of elections playing out right now in terms of court appointments, uh, attorneys general, governors, legislatures, city council, county commissions, and all of that could change too. Absolutely. We would be in a very, very different place if the U.S. Supreme Court looked different. Um, and we would be in a very, very different place in New Mexico if we didn't have the, the people in their positions that we do right now. And so, yeah, every, everything, every vote <laughs> genuinely does matter at this point. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Comstock Act. This keeps coming up because it is... Uh, an old, very old federal law, package of laws, that concerns abortion. Uh, why is this an issue now, a hundred and, uh, you know, 50 years later? Well, it's an issue now, 150 years later, because it's part of the featured efforts of the anti-choice out-of-state extremists. And so they are trying to revive this antiquated act, they are trying to uh, solicit the U.S. Supreme Court for a very broad interpretation of that act. They would argue that the act prohibits the mailing of any materials utilized in an abortion, um, and they think that it is one potential means, if they win on that front, that whatever any individual state may or may not do, if federally um, mailing anything related to reproductive health care, abortion specifically, um, is, is illegal, then they've won. I'm super confused here because I remember before there were abortion pills, when the majority of abortions in this country were surgical and not uh, pharmacological, right? So how does, the, what was this talking about? I did a little bit of Googling, right? And I found that Comstock was a Connecticut sort of Puritan who um, was, in, was convinced that sex should only be for procreation, even within marriage, and went around the country uh, kind of with a suitcase full of things let's just say that, the, that, that you'd be embarrassed if the TSA pulled them out of your suitcase, right? Birth control, but also other things. Um, and went around freaking out all male legislatures at the time and persuaded an all male Congress to pass laws banning things that were obscene, right? But we're, our lives are filled with things that are obscene now. So how can this be uh, how can this still regulate abortion, of all things? I mean, I would definitely argue it can't, um, and, and they would differ. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a law that had been essentially invalidated even pre-Roe. Um, because we had laws, we had court cases uh, protecting the right to uh, 
birth control before that and Correct. and step sort of step by step we had obscenity cases and things like that Correct yeah there were a number of things other than you know abortion related cases that have chipped away at that and so yeah it, it So it's sort of a loophole that has opened back up a portal in time taking us back to the 1870s that's what they would argue, and we will see. We'll see if the U.S. Supreme Court is has the appetite to do this that they hope it does. It would not be. It it, it, it would be disingenuous. It shouldn't. You know, the the U.S. Justice Department wrote a memo on why the Comstock Act shouldn't apply in modern day. Uh, they are, I think, their reading of the law is accurate. Um, but we will see. That's th this is what this is the struggle at this point is if what we have is an activist U.S. Supreme Court, then they will use whatever tool is put in front of them to strip our ability to enjoy reproductive rights and and, and many other rights that we rely upon. You know, mm -hmm. and they've definitely indicated that. For example, you know, interracial marriage may be on the chopping block. There's a, there's all sorts of things, and so if this law could give them that potential, we'll we'll, we'll be able to better assess the court dependent on these sorts of decisions. And they're humans, right? I mean, we think of the Supreme Court as being this like group of inhuman people living in a cloud or an ivory tower, right? But you know, we've had activist courts in the past that were very left-leaning for the majority of, of our lifetimes, right? And so even if it's not a good law, they could, in good conscience, one could argue, uh, decide this based on that. Just use the law because it's there. Even though it's not really good, it is there and they can use it. But let's time travel for a second here, back to the 1870s, right? Um, it's sort of easy to think of people in hoop skirts um, and bonnets and riding in carriages, living in some other time. Women weren't lawyers. Women weren't TV presenters. Women didn't have very many positions of power. They didn't have very much control over their reproductive lives. Um, they had an average of seven children, an average of seven children. <laughs> Um, many of them were glad for that. Some weren't, right? Um, but now, you know, we are in a sort of a, a we've made a, a big leap in time where families have one or two kids, maybe three, um, and women have taken on a, a very different looking role in society. 95% of Americans today have sex before they're married. I've I mean, maybe, I think there are some shows on this channel that get into how uh, spicy the 1800s <laughs> could have been, but nowhere there near that kind of number. I mean, this is a huge societal change. But thinking about what Comstock was talking about, about preserving the sanctity of marriage, say, about preserving the family, about keeping sex for a very religiously tied purpose, what does that mean this argument is about now? Is this about sex before marriage? Is this about gender roles? Is this about a certain drug that should or should not be authorized? Help me think this through. What does this mean to you? What is this about? 
All of that. It's about all of that. And for some people, the question is very, very simple and more kind of the goodness of John Brown, abolitionist-like. For some people, it's really, they just have a moral opposition to this. And I think for many others, it does get into the more like misogynistic kind of question of they wish you and I were not sitting here able to talk about this right now. And, and one manner of so doing or furthering that would be to make sure it's a little bit late for me, but to make sure that I have seven children to busy myself with. Um, and so I think it is all of those things. And I think they would, but there are people who would like to take you and I back to the 1800s and to not hear what we have to say about it. But the arguments that we're hearing in courts now, I mean, you mentioned people who have a strong moral feeling about this. And there's definitely a philosophical de debate that you can imagine having with someone you love and care about who believes differently from you on this, who just believes it's absolutely wrong to have an abortion. But that's not the, that doesn't seem to be the debate that any of these lawsuits or ordinances are, are about, is it? No, it is not. I mean, and legally, I, it's nowhere near that. They're not even taught. This is just not a topic of conversation, is it? It isn't, which I think is telling. Hmm. Well, Laura, thank you for <laughs> staying with us to talk about Comstock for a little bit. Thank you. I want to give a special thanks to our panelists, correspondents, and guests this week. We know this is a deep and emotional topic for everyone involved, and I appreciate their work presenting it to you, and thank you, our listeners, for your willingness to learn more about it. I'll also encourage you to sign up for our New Mexico in Focus newsletter if you haven't already. In our latest edition, executive producer Jeff Proctor comments on the fear and the quote, inherent barrenness of what might pass for common good when it comes to abortion, end quote. That's Jeff there. It's a thought-provoking read if you get the time. Otherwise, please keep an eye on our social media pages. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube throughout the week. We'll be posting updates and other news items leading up to our show Friday night. Thanks again, everyone. I'm senior producer Lou DeVizio for Monday, May 8th, 2023. This is New Mexico in Focus, the podcast. Have a great week, everyone.